Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Periodic Table, episode 13. What I just did was reward stupidity. Recorded February 23rd, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. Okay, Periodic Table number 13. The 13th element in the Periodic Table is aluminum, or as our British friends say, aluminium. Why they say that, I don't know. And what you may not know is that aluminum, while very abundant, makes it making up approximately 8% of the Earth's crust by volume, uh, yet almost none of it exists in its pure state. It must be harvested from other ores like bauxite and, and things of that nature. So there you go. There's our uh, element update so that we can begin the show. Hey, my name is Mark Cockrell, and with me this week, I have uh, Mr. Aaron Butler, the former fat guy. Hey, Aaron. Hello, I am wide awake and raring to go. Raring. And Mr. Raring. John Mikulski. Hey, John, the tightwad teacher. Aluminum is what I use to make sure aliens don't read my thoughts at night. I thought that was Eric. And Eric uh, Fay. Hey, Eric, what's going on? Hello. I left my aluminum hat at work. Yeah, we, I, I picture if anyone is a member of the tinfoil hat brigade, <laughs> that it would be you. <laughs> I saw I saw a uh, picture, one of those meme picture things on Facebook, and it was from another libertarian buddy of mine, and it said the way everyone else looks at libertarians, and it was just a guy sitting with like a big wool coat on and a and a tin foil hat staring <laughs> at the stars. Well, I would be libertarian if there weren't so many crazy libertarians. What, Eric, you, what, you, what makes them you, crazy? That's what I want to know. No, That's what I've always. Tried I'm not to saying out. that all libertarians are crazy. I'm just saying that there's a high correlation between crazy people and the libertarian mindset. Well, I think Republicans are crazy. I think Democrats are crazy. Like you, like it makes no sense to me what they think. So, I guess it's just the no, way I'm we're talking wired. Literally crazy people, <laughs> as in people <laughs> who walk the street talking to themselves and yelling at imaginary dogs. I've only done that once, Mark. Okay. It was in it was in high school. It was a weird night. And he was on a dare and you were really <laughs> drunk. Are you are you broadcasting from your protected bunker tonight, Eric? You sound a little yes. different. <laughs> yeah, I'm in my safe house just in case the government's listening in on my podcast. Yeah, if you're watching the video feed, uh he uh the, the pod people have come after him and he's hiding, so he's not on video tonight. No. So while he's talking, you get to look at me. Yay. <laughs> Okay, so, uh, guys, what's going on in your lives this week? Anything interesting or new or exciting in any way? Yeah, I went and uh, looked at some houses tonight, and I think we're going to put an offer on one of them. Cool. So that's, that's pretty exciting. exciting. Is this your first? No, you owned a house before. I've owned four houses, actually. Um, three at the same time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. This is our first house in Georgia, and it's our first real house. Real, real house. That we didn't buy to rent to somebody else, right? And the one you lived in was a was a good old fashioned Texas trailer house, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah we it's funny we had you know we had real we had rental properties that were real real estate as they call it, and then but we lived in a mobile home. <laughs> yeah. So so this is your first house with like indoor plumbing and and uh, cement foundation and such. Well, the foundation, yeah. The, yeah. the other house had plumbing. There are no tires on the roof on this house. No, not on the other one either. We had tires on the bottom that we took off once we parked it, but no tires on the roof. <laughs> I bought a car with that gets better gas mileage. That's about all I did. Well, that's what kind of car? A little 99 Nissan Sentra. Oh, that's so a nice car. It gets that, about 
about 30 miles a gallon. I started to get paranoid about how expensive gas is probably going to get. Yeah. So I sold my truck. Yeah. I've got the big, uh, Dodge F, uh, or not, uh, F1, uh, the 1500 Ram 1500. And, um, every time I fill up, I'm reminded of the fact that I had to go buy a big truck instead of a little car. Of course I'm a giant. So uh, I used to have a little economy car and, and people used to laugh. It was like clowns at the circus <laughs> when I piled into that thing. Like uh, I'm, a, I'm a small guy, so I, I can get away with the smaller car. My boss is making fun of me because he drives a big suburban that gets 10 miles to the gallon. And he was making fun of me because I now I have this little tiny grandma's car, as he calls it. But, in, uh, I, but when it's $6 a gallon gas by June, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be laughing. Well, if you cut back on the tinfoil, too, that could save you some cost. That's true. That's true. <laughs> if you reuse your hat. <laughs> Eric, are you environmentally friendly? Do you recycle your aluminum foil hats? Uh, no, actually, I just keep them on a wall next to all my writings. <laughs> <laughs> You're writing your stacks of journals. <laughs> your manifesto. Next to my wall of post-it notes. Awesome. <laughs> okay, so let's jump right in. Um, apparently, Anne Frank, the uh, ce- uh, celebrated uh, Jew who hit out with a with a, uh, a German family during the Nazi occupation, is now officially a Mormon. Ugh. <laughs> that, so, that, that, am I the only one disgusted by this? Yes. No, I mean, I, no, you're not the only one. Okay. I, too, am disgusted by this. Um, the the Mormon Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, has a long-standing tradition of post-mortem baptism, essentially baptizing uh, by proxy. So if somebody is has passed on without being officially baptized into the Mormon Church, and that is the only way to heaven, is to be baptized in the Mormon Church by their belief system, um, you can do that posthumously by proxy somebody can uh, essentially be baptized in your name and they have being that it is now 2012 they have a very modern system for doing that it's all computerized and apparently somebody slipped in the name of Anne Frank and she was officially baptized as a Mormon uh, uh, earlier this month do they do no take backs I mean what do you do on that situation? yeah I mean she's now Mormon <laughs> she is she has been consecrated into the the believer fellowship of believers there's that, that it just is what it is. So uh, the Jew who died for her beliefs um, is now a Mormon. It was the wrong beliefs. See, I, when you first said <laughs> that she was not, she was actually a Mormon, I thought that they had just hired the the worst um, interpreter ever. When they've got a hold of her her diary, they just. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that the Nazis were actually persecuting Mormons during that well, time. In all fairness, they pretty much hated everybody, so I don't think that would have made her safe. But nonetheless, I, I see where you're going with that. Yeah. And yeah, uh, apparently Texas mom in the chat room wasn't paying attention. She's dead. She can't be baptized. If you're a Mormon, death does not stop baptism. It's not a problem. It's like true love. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, Mormons are really good at too, apparently. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no, that's big love. Um, right. So, yeah, the the uh, church released an official statement saying that uh, uh, basically, oops, we're sorry, and the person uh, who did this will have their rights to the system revoked. Um, and it wasn't it was I think it was the nineties the the early nineties yeah it was the nineties that they that they had an official position against postmortemly baptizing Jews prior to that uh, no Holocaust victims not just Jews Holocaust victims. 
So uh, the Jews are still on the table. You can still make a Jew mortem, uh, Jew a Mormon after he dies. But if he was a Holocaust victim, they're off off the table. How pretentious do you have to be to think that that you you're doing them a favor? That's that's completely backwards in my mind. I mean, at what point did they think that was a good idea? Like, I don't, I don't understand who signed off on that. What guy really thought that? Does anyone know who runs it? I mean, besides Joseph Smith? Well, look at it a different way. If you believe that you, I mean, you're literally doing somebody a favor, right? You're taking them from purgatory into, into paradise by doing that. So, I mean, it really is a pretty big favor that you're doing for somebody. Uh, yeah. So it's kind of hard to be mad at them for wanting people to go to heaven. It, 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 in my opinion, it steps on everything she fought and died for. So it's just like she was one of the most famous Jews of all time, especially when it comes to that era. And right. it's just it's kind of it's kind of just like spitting on them, in my opinion. Yeah. So the the oops was uh, we shouldn't have done this Jew, not that we shouldn't be uh baptizing jews after they're dead but this one was an oops is there any way to make sure legally that they can't do that to me i i don't I just don't, don't know. die I mean, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you can't help it i don't know that there were any laws um like regarding can I wrap my coffin in tinfoil <laughs> that might help yeah <laughs> um but you know <laughs> eric my guess is that you're pretty safe frankly <laughs> Thanks, well, I think now is but I, I'm still wondering why they would bother doing this in the first place. Is it trying to buffer their numbers so it looks like there's a, a greater community of Mormons? Like it's the same thing. Like on Twitter, whenever I get like one of those spam people who follows me, and they'll have like you know a, a million people they're following, no one's following back, and it's usually like a scantily clad woman or something. I won't block that person. I just won't follow back. Because that makes my following number look that much, or my followers number look that much bigger. It makes me feel like I'm a little bit more popular on Twitter. Is that what the Mormons are doing? They're just trying to like post mortem everyone in to be like, hey guys, look how uh, legit we are. We you have mean those soul. girls don't actually want to go out on a date with me? No, believe uh, it or not. Yeah. <laughs> Man, those are my favorite Twitter followers. I follow them back automatically and immediately. Uh, next door <laughs> in the chat room is asking, did anybody verify it was the Anne Frank? And the answer is yes. Um, it was the Anne Frank with with the birth date and the death date uh, of you know Anne Frank of um, the Anne Frank Diaries the the Anne Frank that we all know. Uh, I don't want to get into a comparative religion study, but uh, that it's a deeply held really, uh, religious belief of a group of people, a large group of people. So um, I don't want to mock that specifically. I don't know why. I mean, I've done it many times on this show before, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to attack the religious belief of, of, uh, baptizing dead people, though I personally think it's a little silly. It's just the fact that their system is sort of, uh, messed up in that they're okay with baptizing dead people of a different religion. Um, and that's, that's what's a little weird. And, you know, somebody who's been dead 60 years, and uh, or longer, uh, and who pu very publicly died because she wasn't a Mormon. I mean, had she been a Mormon, it might have been okay. I don't know. I don't know what the official Nazi line item was on Mormons. I don't think there were too many in Germany at the time. So I don't think there's enough to worry about. But I think John's right. I think they're using her to cook the books or doing <laughs> that to cook the books. Like, oh, we have 20 million. Like, no, you don't. You have like 20,000. And they, <laughs> they just start... 
counting all the, the dead celebrity or dead <laughs> famous people. They start picking names. Well, yeah, Walt Disney, Walt Disney he was one of ours. And uh, Churchill, Churchill, he was one of ours. <laughs> Steve Jobs, well, soon. We're working soon. on that one. Soon, that's right. Jesus, we baptized Jesus. <laughs> Made him posthumously a Mormon. So, you know, by default now, all Christians. <laughs> well, uh, so I actually have family members that are uh, Mormon, and they're great people, and I love them to death. And, um, the modern Mormon church is quite a bit different than the thing that was created by Joseph Smith in the 1800s. And um, it is what it is. Yeah. I, you know, I, one of the reasons I'm, I'm tap dancing around the issue is I have friends who are Mormon and they are, they are dear to me. And I, and while we have frank discussions about the fact that I think they're entirely wrong on almost everything they believe, uh, I don't want to publicly deride them. I'm, I'm okay with saying they're wrong. I don't want to ridicule them. But, Still, if you have a system like that, there's got to be some sort of rules in place. Like, who's next? Mohammed? Are they going to go and, and, and make him uh, a member of the Mormon church? Well, that my only thing well. is always you always you did it for family members. Right. So I don't know, you know who traced their lineage back to Anne Frank, but. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the rules. Uh, any Mormon listeners out there want to hop in the uh, chat room and set us straight, uh, feel free. Because this is ignorance expounding on ignorance. So the next thing I'll bring up in the list, um, I just like this video clip. Um, and actually, I forgot to uh, set my computer up to be able to do that. So I'm going to skip that one and come back to the next one. For, forget I said that. Um, <laughs> here's a great one. Are you pro-life or pro-vasectomy? You can't be both. Um, <laughs> a Georgia Democrat I'm from Texas, by the way. uh, Yeah, uh, Representative Yasmin Neal, a Democrat from uh, the Atlanta suburb of Georgia, of Jonesboro, excuse me, um, introduced a bill, House Bill 1116, which would prevent men from vasectomies unless needed to avert serious bodily injury or death. And her her reason being (laughs) that that men don't have the right to abdicate – um, fatherhood to prevent the birth of of unborn children. It's a right to life issue. Those those children have the right to be born, and they don't have the right to uh, to uh, prevent that by having their nads cut. Now, just just to clarify, if you all haven't read the full article, it's tongue in cheek to make a point. Obviously, yes. she, she doesn't really believe that. She's she she actually has no problem with vasectomies, but she has a problem with uh, some legislation that's on the books right now that they're trying to pass where if somebody gets an abortion after the 20th week that you can get jail time for it. That she says, if we legislate women's bodies, it's only fair that we legislate men's. There are too many problems with the state. Um, and why are you under the skirts of women? I'm sure there are other places to be. Uh, so which makes sense. <laughs> well, it's, it's, everyone else's issue i mean it's it's the own it's your personal issue it's not the government's issue why what who are they to say what's gonna what i'm allowed to do or what they're allowed to do well see this is the this is the central issue the core issue and the reason i wanted to bring this up other than the fact that it's ludicrous uh but the which is supposed to be right the core issue uh and the 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 thing that that pro-abortion uh people always say is no no no, it's not pro no one's pro-abortion Oh, it, Eric, it, there are people who are vehemently pro-abortion. No, no, pro-life, pro-choice. Pro yeah, it's, pro-choice. It's a choice. 
I mean, no, no they're pro-abortion. Like, hey, no they're for the act of aborting babies. They they're actively for it. I don't I don't care what else you can say. You can say it's about choice. Choice is a part of it, but the choice is because you want to kill babies. It's and and there's lots of reasons why sometimes you have to. Right. There's lots of reasons no, why you. Let's say not you say pro to... pro choice or pro abortion. Let's say anti life. Yeah. Okay. There's lots of reasons you would want to kill a baby. I mean, like it's inconvenient, for example. Uh, you don't want to gain weight. I mean, there's lots of very valid reasons to kill a baby. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> uh, gross deformation. Uh, I mean, there's uh, risk of death to the mother. Yeah, it's I mean, it's not the right time reasons. in life right now. It's just not it's just not convenient for me to have a baby, so I'm going to kill it. Um, but th- that's that's my issue. Okay. Uh, it, when you're talking about, well, they always talk about this as a, a woman's body, my body, my choice, that sort of thing. The the core issue that I take with that is that there, there is, it's not your body. There is a whole other body that you are destroying when you abort it. It's not your body, your choice. And we talk about, you know, I can do what I want with my body. Okay, but what about the other body there that you have now? eradicated from existence okay there's there, there's a certain point to where it, it, you have to realize it i i think it's a disgusting act i would never participate in one of my in myself if stacy were to get pregnant next week we would have the we have the means and everything to, to raise a child so we would even though we say we're not going to have one but if we end up having one you know we're going to raise it and love it like we're supposed to but we have to realize that it. And and you say it. Oh, it's not convenient. If if you honestly cannot raise a child properly, I'll take them. Sh- Ex- exactly, not. I will take them. You you send will your you? child because, to no, me. There's, Absolutely. There's what about plenty the of babies out there right now that you should be taking then? That but it's very I darn am. hard My son's to get one of those. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> and now now let me let me preface this. And dear God, because it seems like every time it's I get so on this show, I end up saying something, and I think it's going to get me fired. By no means am I starting off by saying that I wish that some of my students had been aborted because that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> that's, that's the round. That's the road you're going down. John. What I am saying, though, <laughs> is I see I see kids in my in my profession. I see kids that come from every walk of life, from every socioeconomic status, from every type of family, whether it's adopted, single parent, raised by biological parents, the, the whole gamut. Um, and there are families that truly struggle. They put themselves in a position. They put themselves in a spot that forces them to have a very, very difficult life. And I think anything that they have, any options they have that maybe would make that easier, if they look back in their life, if there was something that they could have changed, it's not a convenience issue, it's a survival issue, maybe they would have taken that. And, that, and that's not my choice. I wouldn't, first of all, I didn't find my, what's that? You think they would have opted for their kid that they love now that's eight or nine to be dead? No, but what I'm saying is, first of all, that's, this is that's the other option, right? This is this is an issue that I've always stayed out of because I always made sure I didn't find myself in it. Like this was right. not an issue for me, and it, it truly is something I'm not going to argue one way or the other what someone else should be doing because just like right now, God knows what's happening in my neighbor's house next door. I don't care. It's not my house. It's not my life. It's how they choose to run their their life. But it should exactly. be their choice. It should be their choice what they're doing in that house right now. It shouldn't be up to me, and it certainly shouldn't be up to the government to make those decisions. Well, but, but the, the only the only thing where the, that argument breaks down is if what if he's killing her? Okay, but okay, let, let, let's just go with it. This, I'm just this asking. Is, this is how I justify my belief my belief system, which I, I am not 
pro-abortion. I don't. I'm not like, yay, go abortions! Everyone should have one. Give everyone punch cards. I'm not Two for one special that. this week only. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the fact that if you can honestly, if you're responsible enough to say to yourself, I cannot raise this child properly, and it, it will not have a good home. It, you know, so and so beats me. I'm a single mother. I'm a prostitute. I'm a drug addict. You know, and. I I don't understand if if they cannot properly do it. What what is the point? Statistics say that someone who grows up like say a prostitute has a child and she can't she can't get it un- aborted. Let's say a pro- the prostitute has a child. Now that pro- that kid grows up in hotel rooms in the foster system or with a drug addict mother, and then that person, statistically speaking, is more than likely, way over fifty percent likely to become be in that same circle a, a criminal. Uh, drug addict, something like that. And if you honestly can say, I do not have the means to take a child into this world, good for you. Be honest with yourself and don't don't half-ass raise a child. Okay, I'm, I'm going to extricate ourselves from this discussion because it's not one that can be won. No, no, nobody is ever going no. to change a mind ever. About well, I just want to say, Mark, that for the record, that I'm, I'm pro-choice, but I think the age should be up to 18. Yes. So like if the, if if my son's 12 and he becomes inconvenient, I can just shoot him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just being ludicrous to make a point. Yeah, uh, there but, was but, a, but I will say this for somebody who is, who is, who has adopted a child and been through that a little bit, because this is not something that, that's talked about by people who they kind of skirt around this issue. I mean, there are people I know I have friends, personal friends who have gone to Korea to adopt a baby so they could get a young baby. Yes, there are people in the foster care system right now that came out of broken homes, whether they were drug addicts and they should have been aborted. That's a whole other discussion that Eric you know, was kind of going down. But what I'm saying is uh, any kid that uh, anybody that gives up in the United States a newborn child for adoption, there is no problem placing them in a home. There's a waiting list for that. So if, if that person that's you know working a minimum wage jobs and gets pregnant and realizes they can't afford them if they were to bring to term and give that baby up for adoption in a private adoption agency it would be placed the day it was born without exception well this now goes into the whole societal issue though because part of it is you're absolutely right but look at what society portrays my god how many 16 and pregnant shows and spinoffs are there on tv it's kind of fashionable to be that young kid young single mom raising the kid and so that's the other half of the problem is you know, people don't don't do what's right. Whether pa- what- parents don't talk to their children, no, and, yeah, and and it, I understand the sixteen and pregnant thing. I actually read a story about a girl who intentionally got pregnant so she could be on that show. It's disgusting, but that, that you could also tell their parents had nothing to do with her, never sat down, never talked to yeah. her because everyone like I went to a school that taught that taught uh, abstinence, and we had one of the highest pregnancy rates in the state of Texas. And that is because, in my opinion, because they didn't, they weren't realistic with themselves and didn't actually say what they were supposed to, what they should have said is, hey, I know chances are 25% of you are going to have sex before you graduate high school, which I'm sure the number's way astronomically higher. But uh, so if you're going to do it, blank, 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 there's no sex education anymore. No one actually, parents don't talk to their kids, period. It's just, it's. Horrible. It, and I think a lot of the fault falls in the parents, uh, neglectful parents. Yeah. Well, all I want to say, and, and then we'll move on from this point, is this legislation that is being pro- uh, uh, proposed in Georgia is uh, about legislation of a man's body. Okay. 
And, and their argument there is that it's to propose legislation of a woman's body. My only point has ever been that there's a whole other body there that doesn't have a choice. So if you're, right. if you're really pro-choice, then you can't Take the disregard. From the yeah, you can't remove the choice from that entire other person. There's a, there's a human being in there. It's got 46 human chromosomes, and it meets all five criterion for life. It is, therefore, a human life. Okay, there's nothing else it can be. It's not a protoplasmic gob of mass. It is a human life that you are ending, for whatever reasons, however noble they may be, you are ending a life. Therefore, it is not about the woman's body. It becomes about the life of the child. Okay, every time, a, every time a, let's just say it horribly, every time a baby is aborted, does someone walk up to you and punch you in the side of the face? It does. At the end of the day, it does not affect your life. So it is not your choice. It is not someone. It is not the government's choice. It is not their life to live. And and the fact is that you're, tomorrow you're going to walk by someone in the street who has had an abortion, okay, and you're going to have where, no where, idea. Where Eric, you're you're reframing the debate, and that's what always happens. The debate <laughs> is constantly reframed. Now wait, hold on. Let me throw a new uh, Eric. You mentioned um, abstinence. Now, according to this bill, I'm rereading the article now, and it says no more vasectomies that leave thousands of children deprived of birth. Technically, abstinence also deprives children of birth. So anyone that's not having sex, you're you're it's against the law. It's against the law. Not to <laughs> why aren't you a lawyer, John? That's yeah, why we I roll in it. Georgia. Yeah, it's I mean, against the law not to have kids. There's no difference between a vasectomy and rolling over and shooting you out the window. It's essentially <laughs> the exact same act. Well, so the, wait, so now cops all around all around Georgia, cops are going to be pulling over, pulling up in the, the parking lots next to the, the car. Yeah, the two kids. Why aren't you two, two kids, having sex? Why are you not having sex right now? <laughs> Get that condom off of you. What are you doing? <laughs> Georgia state law says that you must procreate. Yeah. Uh, but, so anyway, okay, I'm going to move on. I know everybody has points to make. I'm not going to let you. Oh, that was my on. point. I'm done. I However, have nothing else to say on the topic. The, the very next point is uh, an abortion that happened later. Um, in uh, Alabama, a grandmother ran her child to death. Her grandchild literally ran her to death. Nine-year-old Savannah Harden was forced to run for three hours, and as a, pun as a punishment, for having lied about eating a candy bar. The severely dehydrated girl had seizures and, and died from uh, uh, dehydration and an extremely low sodium level after running nonstop laps around the yard for three hours. There are two people now in prison for this. Okay? We all agree that's a good thing. Had it yes. happened nine years ago, it would have been a choice. Now, time out. Oh, hold on. Uh, grandma we grandma is 46 years old. <laughs> right. Grandma is 46 years old. How old was mom? Uh, 27. Mom was 27. 27. And the daughter's nine. Right. Got it. So 16. She was, she was 19, 18. 18 years old and 19 years old. And, and I'm going to say in Southern Florida, that's probably pretty common. It certainly is here in Texas. <laughs> um, I mean, we, we marry them young here in the South. Uh, and I, and I'm going to guess she wasn't married. Well, no, okay. she is married. Uh, <laughs> Mom was married? Yeah. The, uh, or at least uh, there, she is estranged now from her husband. Imagine uh, that. But, uh, they, yeah, they were, whether they were married at the time of conception, you know, the, the story doesn't go there. But uh, 
you know, it's just interesting. I thought those two stories came together really nicely. One is a, a comedy and the other is a tragedy. Both from Georgia. How do you know? What do you know? <sighs> no, the other's from Florida. Oh, is it? Atala, I, I, excuse I, me, I just Alabama. heard about it in Georgia. Atala, Alabama. Alabama, that's right. right it was mind. Alabama, yeah. Um, so but I think that's just crazy. That's absolutely insane. Now, I, I think I've mentioned on this show before, I run my children as a discipline. That's that's one of the things that we do in this house. We run. The but it's, it's like, yeah, it's like the most I've ever made my daughter run was 10 minutes, maybe 15, but three hours. And apparently this kid, uh, what's interesting is, is how they got the kid to run for three hours. What does it take to make a kid run herself to death? That's what I was wondering. How'd they Fear. even do it? previous abuse i mean this wasn't the first time they've done something messed up to that kid no so if, if a kid was scared enough to not drop and say i'm done then uh then yeah she's been being abused for a long yeah. time a next door neighbor said that she saw the child running at about 4 p.m and at 6 45 p.m this the uh, mother uh called the ems so uh for two hours and 45 minutes at least and uh it says authorities are still trying to determine whether Savannah was forced to run by physical coercion or by verbal commands. Um, but the deputies were told the girl was forced to run after lying to her grandmother. Um, wow. Uh, that's it's just a tragedy. That's all it is. I mean, that, it's stupid parenting, obviously, um, and, and obviously abuse, too. But the fact that she died from it is just a, is just a horrible tragedy because normally most kids probably would not have. You know, they would have got tired. They would have got faint. They would have collapsed. They would have thrown up. They would, you know, whatever. But to die of dehydration, you got to work at that pretty hard. Yeah. So or have some kind of underlying medical condition. Or she started out dehydrated or, yeah, was, was already sick. There's definitely something going on there. I mean, uh, yeah. running for three hours is, is difficult, but not deadly. Not um, normally. Uh, I mean, marathon runners do, do that, but then they train for it, right? But she's, I don't know many eight, uh, nine year old marathon runners. But anyway, I, uh, that story, you know, we don't always bring funny stories here. Sometimes we bring uh, tragic ones. And, and that was one that um, I thought interesting and in light of the, the, the pro-life, pro-choice argument um, yeah. that one is, one is a choice, one is a crime. Now, I'm making an extreme example. I fully admit that, uh, you know, reductio ad absurdum. I'm, I'm re reducing your argument to the absurdity and then mocking the results. I, I fully admit that. But it does frame the debate interestingly, I think. Either way, a child died. Yep. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not admitting that a life is not going to happen. I just say it's not my choice to say it. That, that's, that's my choice. <laughs> Aaron, were you going to say something? I'm what? sorry. I, I, I think my mic just cut out. No, I, I thought Aaron was going to say something. Yeah, but uh, you you had put a ban on any more comments, so oh, okay. I'll stop. Okay. <laughs> All right. I so know. I I'm waiting for the next part. I I don't do good with serious, Mark. Okay. Give give me something funny. We haven't talked about poop once this entire well, okay. uh, episode. Well, you're gonna have to bring the poop. I didn't have any poop stories. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but this next one is interesting. Uh, in a uh, a debate on CNN, uh, I think it was on CNN. Um, the presidential candidates were asked to describe themselves in one word. I saw that on the elevator today. And I love these responses so i'm going to play them uh very quickly so that uh cnn will pull this show uh for copyright infringement let me see if i can get this uh piped through here 
Um, no, that's the wrong story. They changed the link on me. This is scintillating radio, isn't it? <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves, people. Talk amongst yourselves. Oh, okay. Uh, the anyway, I'm not gonna not gonna do that apparently. But uh, when when asked to for the Republican when the Republican candidates were asked to give one word to describe themselves, uh, Ron Paul said he was consistent. Um, uh, Can't argue with that. Santorum said he was resolute. Uh, Romney said he was. Looking up the word resolute because he uh, didn't know what it meant. I forget. I don't remember. No, I thought I thought uh, Santorum said he was. I thought he said courage. Okay, yeah, okay. Santorum said courage. Uh, Romney said resolute, and Gingrich said cheerful. Cheerful. <laughs> and everyone laughed. <laughs> and I love that. What, doesn't politics need a little more cheer? Honestly, uh, and I think uh, that's that endeared me to him. I like the idea of um, the the presidential the president being cheerful we don't we don't see that we see serious and resolute and ironclad and rah, rah, rah. i was and hoping they, so i'd say optimistic right well, you know i'd be happy too if all i thought about was a moon colony yeah well <laughs> like, you know it's interesting it's sometimes it's hard to tell presidential candidates from uh personal injury lawyers i'm the smart president um and 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 they get it's oh, a this, maverick it's all yeah i'm a maverick i i I don't play by their rules. It, it, it's they become caricatures of themselves, and and I like the fact that Gingrich said I'm a cheerful guy, and you know I like that. It would be interesting to have a cheerful president. Bush, uh, uh, George W. Bush, was a fairly cheerful cheerful president, and that yeah. named him uh, earned him the moniker Bubba, and and he was of course dumb. It's interesting if you look at media analysis. Every Republican has been an idiot, and every Democrat has been a genius uh, for like since uh, uh, Kennedy. Look it up. I'm serious. Look it's at true. news coverage of all presidents. And the Democrats have been brilliant men, road scholars, and Republicans have been idiots. No, you know, I, I don't believe either of those are true, but it, it was just something that popped in my mind. So President Bush was was a fairly cheery guy. He, he <laughs> liked to crack a joke. And, uh, and because of that, people thought he was an idiot. So Gingrich says he's cheerful and Eric says it's because he's got his head on the moon. So it's, you know, it's interesting the way we look at politicians. We expect them to be dour and sad and, and angry all the time, or they're just not serious enough to be president. You know, people funny. didn't think Bush was stupid because he made jokes. It's because he said strategery. I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's a, there's he said a lot, a lot of, of stupid things. Stupid. <laughs> well, you know, but uh, Ford said stupid things and people gave him a pass. I didn't because I wasn't alive. Yeah. So Ford fell I can only down go off of the ones too. I know. Oh, but anyway, Ford fell down a lot. It's like Chad from from uh, that thing <laughs> you do. Down. Ford fell down. <laughs> well, so, uh, I saw would you funny, vote for a cheerful president? That's my question. I saw a funny uh, thing today that said something like, "Dear optimist, pessimist, um, and pragmatist." While you were arguing about it, I drank the glass of water. Opportunist. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was pretty clever. That's awesome. My my dad likes to say the glass is twice as big as it needs to be. Yeah, I like that one too. Since he's a realist, <laughs> I, I like the one where I actually drew it on my whiteboard for a while. It's like the glass is always full, and the right. bottom you you bracket and put water, and the top you bracket and put air. air right. You know, that's that the physicist one. view. The glass is always full, no matter what. And the existentialist is <laughs> the grass is green. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> is this glass half full or half empty? Green. 
Okay, here's another interesting, while we're talking about government overreach, um, should you be forced to join a union? Um, no. Some union members think so. Um, the state of Indiana says no. Uh, there is a, a current law of, uh, against uh, um, forcing people to pay union dues. And uh, Texas is not a big union state, so I don't have a lot of experience with that. But I do know, I had a friend that I worked with years ago who uh, had been an electrician for um, uh, somebody, I don't remember who. And so he was part of their union, and the company had mass layoffs. And during the time that he wasn't working, he didn't pay his dues. And when it came time to, because he didn't have money, because he wasn't working. So when it came time to rehire people, when the plant reopened, union members went first. And they said, I don't care that you were a member of the union for 30 years. You're no longer a member now. You don't get a job. Sorry. Uh, so that formed my opinion of unions, that one experience. Uh, and so I, I don't have a very high opinion of them, uh, but I think it's interesting to to ask the question, should you be forced? I mean, and, and there are places where they it's not a choice. It's payroll deducted from your pay that simply by being hired here, you are now a member of this union. You will pay dues. Is that is that moral? The, and, and the question that they're asking in Indiana is, is it legal? No, it can't be. It, it should not be legal. If you do not want, if something extra is coming out of your paycheck, you have to agree to it. And plus, unions are just ways to keep lazy people around now. I mean, I, I've, I know people who have worked in unions, and everyone I, that I talk to about it say that those people, like most of the people that are pro-union are also the guys that take, you know, three, three 45-minute breaks a day. You know, those are the guys that are pretty much on easy street because they can't get fired. And, and that's that is what is now the luxury of the union is like, oh, I'll pay my dues if I don't have to work as hard as that schmuck over there trying to earn his living. And that, that, that it, that's what I've heard, at least from many of my friends have worked unions. Now, John, you're a member of a big union state. See, um, I know this is going to turn into slam teachers. So I'll head y'all off and say, yeah, you know, we're part of the union. And um, logistically, you have to be part of the union. And it's not because of the union members and it's not because of lazy people in the union it's because of of the powers that be you know like let's take my school for example i'm in the union and that wasn't really an option when i got to school when i was employed there i was part of that union look what would happen if i wasn't in that union if i opted out i no longer the rules don't apply to me anymore my principal could come to me tomorrow and say oh you're teaching twice as many classes now or oh you're going to take this pay cut because i don't like you you can't have those things happening. So I think it's an all or nothing. It's one of those cases like, yeah, it doesn't sound right that someone should be forced into that, but that's part of the profession. That's part of your job is that you, if you don't want to be part of that union, <laughs> then don't get a job there. That's the option you make. Which, but however, in Texas, not only are there no tech teachers unions, it's illegal for teachers to form a union. Uh, so we do fine without unions. Uh, I, I find it interesting that you think you can't teach without being a part of a union where, well, what I'm saying is it's all or nothing. Either you have to have everyone in the union or you don't have unions at all. You can't. There are actually cases in New York State, I'm sure other states as well, but it is legal to have more than one union in a school district. And that's happened in the past where there'll be different groups of teachers and one will want one thing, one will want another one, or one will think one issue is fair and one will think the other. And that union divides. And you now have basically two union presidents who are interacting with the Board of Education and the superintendent. And you can have that you can choose which union you're in 
And believe it or not, it usually turns into a giant mess. So it's one of those cases either you need it or you don't. You can't like be the one rogue that says, oh, I don't need a union. I, I work for myself. Well, that's great. Well, You're going to get screwed. It really sounds a lot like Vinny and Guido coming to your door and say, you want you should have some protection because I don't know what would happen to you if you were not a member of our union. But, right. But keep in mind, that's not coming from the union. That's coming from the, the higher ups within that organization. You know, and the thing is, like, let me just jump in because I'm just waiting for like the 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 teacher bash. I know it's gonna come here. Like you already kind of hinted at it. You're trying, you're trying, Mark, to get me, and you're not, not gonna. No, I but I, <laughs> I'm married to a teacher. I've well, dedicated the last 15 years of my life to public education. So, Aaron so is you, a licensed teacher. We're a teacher friendly place here. Well, you know, I think part of the the animosity comes at least from teachers on the other end because so many people right away will say, "Well, look at teachers." And Eric, you kind of mentioned it too, like unions just protect the lazy ones and that's not the case or that's not the intended case does it happen sometimes sure but does it protect a whole lot of really hard-working folks too absolutely protect them from what protect them from things that you see all the time in and in, in other professions in other organizations where someone's been there for 30 years and they get bumped out because they can pay some entry-level guy to do the same thing i mean that's the kind of stuff that unions should be protecting and i'm not just saying for teachers that should be protecting them everywhere but there should be those checks and balances built in so that that one oaf that's in the corner who's not doing his job and taking extra days off and taking those three 45 minute breaks, they get the boot. I mean, that you shouldn't be protecting people like that, but you should be protecting like the overall, um, you know, well-being of everyone that's in that union. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm talking about my friends. Most of my friends are blue collar union guys. So it's a lot. I'm assuming there's probably a large difference in the in the scale in which everyone everyone follows there's a completely different job i'm not saying everyone that's in a union is lazy all i know is the experiences i've heard where everyone's like a lot of people say well this guy sits around all day i don't want to pay union dues so you know i get and that's it's kind of bad that you're, you're now forced to lose money to make money right and you sh you already have to do that to the government so you can pay for things you don't agree with and then and they take that now on top of that. There's some other random guy taking your stuff and doing God knows what with it. Now, John, as a New York union member, a teacher, mm -hmm. can you opt out? Do you have that option? Um, honestly, I don't know. I've never looked into it because I know that would be career suicide to do so. But so you really think they would come gunning for you? Just well, immediately I don't, your principal would come down on you and say, you are now the bastard stepchild because you're not a member of the union. He All may right, so not, but he could. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, let's talk to schedule. Like, this is one thing that's always a bone of contention. We actually, we're in a contract year this year, so they're already negotiating. We teach five classes and we have one duty. That's what's required contractually, what we have to have. If I wasn't part of that union, um, this actually happens. We have um, teaching assistants, basically teachers, and but they're not hired as certified professionals. They're hired as assistants. So they might do a tutoring class or a small group class or a study hall or whatever. They're not union. So even though they're supposed to have six teaching periods, six periods where they have students because they're not in the union, guess who it falls on when we have classes that aren't covered? It's them. And they end up getting six, seven, eight, nine classes because the option is either you deal with that, you suck it up and deal with that because no one's protecting those rights or you go somewhere else. And that's called, that, get, that's called getting your foot in the door. That's all that is to me. I, I, I started as a mechanic when I was 16 years old and I got treated like crap every day of my life. I was there till from eight o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock at night. Sometimes that's called paying your dues and getting good at what yeah, you I, I tend to think like you do, Eric, that certain entry level jobs just suck. 
that's yeah. just all there is to it. Or is it being taken advantage of? Well, no. Yeah, it is. I, I'm I'm okay with it. It is taking advantage. You're taking advantage of somebody who doesn't have experience, who doesn't have credentials, who uh, is is new and and is trying to prove themselves. So yeah, it is taking advantage. Just like every intern at the White House is taken advantage of. Not in the way Clinton did, but uh, literally. <laughs> uh, you know, those do, are perks. They work really hard for no pay. That's what happens. That's what you do. But here's the difference in in public and public ad versus like say private business. Here's the big difference: private business. If I'm working a, a construction job, okay, and I'm entry level construction, the guy who's my boss probably knows a whole lot about construction, and I should be really working hard to impress that guy because he's an expert in that field. If he's made it that far, he's the expert. Public education is completely different. We're the only profession like in the U.S. where the people who call the shots are not part of that profession. School board members, do you know what they need? There's two things that you need in order to be a school board member. You need to be over 18 and you need to live in that district. You don't even need to be literate. So any idiot <laughs> from that, like, well, let's be honest, any idiot from the community can say, yeah, I want to be on the school board. And now that person decides whether I'm doing what a good teacher can do in my classroom. That's stupid. And yeah. now I'm not saying that always happens, but that's just plain out stupid. So when you have such a stupid uh, structure, you have to have some protection from that. I, I've, I've made that point, too. In the rural community where I work, the board members literally get off of their tractor, get in the truck, and drive to the school board meeting still covered in hay. Uh, that, that is literally what happens. They are not educators. They are community members. And that's, that's, that's what the, board, uh, the, the school board is. It's a, a, a group of community members. And so, yeah, there is supposed to be a structure in place. But, again, I live in a state where there are no unions, and we get along just fine. Uh, yeah, I think what John's saying is you can't you can't have both. Yeah. You pretty much you're either a full union state or you're a right to work state. So, like John, Texas. would you uh, be in favor of abolishing unions if it was done across the board? Would I? Yeah, just um, your opinion. In in light of current political opinions and and legislation, especially in New York State, absolutely not. Um, there's a big push right now to go basically state run education. As far as I'm concerned, if you want to get into conspiracy talk. Um, a lot of push, and we've already seen it happen around the, the country with the whole idea of teacher evaluation and the merit pay and all that. Um, the only thing that's stopping us from basically going state-run education are the unions right now who are protecting those basic rights of teachers. Interesting that you call that a, a basic right. Uh, I think well, it, well, the basic protection, that basic protection that, you know, we ethically, we should be able to teach the way that we teach or the manner that we teach is up to us. That's part of the profession. That's part of being a teacher. And and as soon as you take away the union, suddenly things start getting really, really interesting, especially now when you're talking about um, these new evaluation systems in play where administrators can decide basically whether or not we have a job. If you take away what little protection the union's going to give us, now you have a serious situation for corruption. Well, then what is your performance based on? I mean, I, I don't I'm not, I know well, what it's based on in the state of Texas, but I don't know what it's based on in a unionized state. So what, what is what are your credentials? To, what do you have to do to keep your job? OK, right now um, and it's still coming down. It hasn't been fully implemented. But right now um, in New York State, if you're a math teacher or a language arts teacher, which I am an English teacher, 20 um, percent of your evaluation is based purely on your students. One assessment the one state exam a year so the number of kids that passed it versus failed at 20 percent is weighed on that that one single test that in itself is just a stupid we'll talk we could talk about that another time 
Um, another 20% then comes from um, all they're saying right now is some other um, means of assessment that's agreed upon by the district. So this usually is ends up being um, overall passing rate or a final exam or something like that. And then the other 60% comes from your administrator. So there's where that corruption comes in. If I know that it doesn't matter how good my kids are doing, how well they did on a, a state exam, how well they did in class on a day-to-day -day basis, if my principal doesn't like me and she says, look, you suck, I don't like you, I don't want you here anymore, there goes 60% of my evaluation. And the state legislation says you have enough of those negative reviews, you lose your job. So without the union there looking at that and doing that checks and balances that unions are supposed to be doing, there's a lot of teachers that could be really seriously uh, affected when they shouldn't be. I was just, never just playing devil's that. advocate. Wait, let's let Aaron go. Yeah, just playing devil's oh, advocate. Sorry. That's my current job situation. And it has been for the last 15 years, though, uh, John, if my boss decides that he that he doesn't like me because he thinks I'm stupid and he can fire me, or uh, make I, mean, I don't have miserable. any, that there's no protection that to, to protect me, even if my job, if I'm doing well at my job, even if my coworkers think I'm doing a great job, I, you know, I'm, I'm not in a union. And so. Well, that that's an uh, argument. That's not an argument against unions. That's an argument for unions. You shouldn't be in a place where one guy decides your fate, whether he likes you or not. Well, that's. That, that's, that's what um, being that's a boss the American is. Dream. That's yeah, the that's definition kind of, of that, boss. I mean, when I when I grow Element Opie into a multi-billion dollar company, I want to be able to walk into an office and say, you're fired! Because will, I can. We'll unionize long before that, Mark. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, let's, have a, let's have a meeting after this. Eric and John, Mark, you didn't hear that. Yeah, Mark, well, yeah, he can't be there because we're actually... Yeah, he's not part of our union. I'm sending yeah, video It, it comes right down now. to the fundamental question of of whether unions should even exist or you know uh, as a whether unions are good or bad period okay unions are good in the fact that in what they created but what they're creating now in my opinion isn't right they created the 40-hour work week they created sick days personal time off uh, vacation days holidays they 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 pretty much fought for that and i appreciate that but i don't think it should go any further than that i think if if your boss made it to upper management or superintendent, principal, or whatever, because he had the credentials to be that person. Whether you think he's an idiot or not, the fact is he's the one who thinks you're an idiot, and he ha he holds your life in his hands. It's unfortunate, but that's what comes from being a boss. You know how many people at work hate me? I mean, because <laughs> I, 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 I ride them all day, every day, to get as much money done, out as possible, and I have no problem firing anyone. Because if, if I feel like you're not doing good enough, run, you're not working in the shop, to my standards, then you get to you have to leave after I've given you X amount of X amount of warnings. It's time to go. If there's a union, I'd have to sit down with a guy for seven hours and waste a whole day <laughs> over someone who's lazy. And it's, that's in my profession, though. That's not. I, I don't right. know. Well, that's why it, it's different. And people always argue that you know, school education is a business, and it's not. You cannot run schools the same way you you run a business. I you completely just can't. agree. Yeah. You just can't. Okay. So, I mean, that's where that's where the, the discrepancy is coming in, because I agree with what you're saying, Eric. But, you know, the difference, again, with education now is if that one guy is making me jump through hoops or that one guy doesn't like me and he wants me to do something different. That's not just affecting me. That's affecting 130 kids that I teach, too. So you now have, you know, there's a lot more, uh, you know, there's underlying stuff there that can be uh, affected reciprocally. Reciprocally. What word am I trying to say? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> my, my opinion. I'm a teacher. Never mind. I just yeah. blew my whole yeah. argument You're with that one English sentence. English teacher. <laughs> You're fired. You can't John. fire me yeah. either. <laughs> <laughs> 
my, my opinion, and it's just my opinion and nothing more, is that unions were very necessary at one point in time. They are no longer necessary in this country, and that they should be, uh, they should die countrywide, all at one shot. I, I'm not saying we should make it illegal at the federal level. Level. I'm just thinking level-headed people should all get together and say, you know what, we don't really need these anymore, and they should all go away. All we need is level-headed people in America. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Maybe some <laughs> cheerful luck. ones. So here's a, a question that uh, shouldn't be loaded with any um, uh, weight at all. Uh, is Black History Month racist? It's February. It's Black History Month. And and this isn't an article. This is just a question I had. Is Black History Month racist? Perhaps let me rephrase, rephrase the question. What would happen to me if I started a White History Month? Uh, well, first off, everyone... It would be really big deal because it would have to be a longer month in February. Um, wow, <laughs> it's, it's true. It is kind of messed up. We gave him February. Uh, <laughs> There's 29 but, this year. Okay, that's true. Every four years, you're close. Um, <laughs> you know, to me, it to me talking or constantly, constantly beating into the head. I, I, to me, it's it divides more than it does anything. When you have a Black History Month, I can't. I don't understand why we can't just go through our lives and realize everyone's okay, and then that's it. Yeah, I don't. To me, it makes no sense. But then again, I'm not black, so I, I feel like it creates a rift in people. Now, here's it, here's my issue with Black History Month. Uh, white guy, in case you didn't know, I'm a white guy. Um, it's not that there is a Black History Month. I'm totally fine with that. Not that it was started by. Uh, blacks who wanted to pass on their heritage it's the fact that it has been adopted as canon in so many places it it's not a federally recognized things but it's darn close to it i mean school every school in the country right now at some point has taught a white history a black history month lesson um it, it, has, it has become gospel it has become uh one of the things that must be part of your educational process and that i have an issue with that it, well, it, there there is a, there is a large slant in the amount of white history as there yeah. is compared to black right. history, and that's always so, the argument. All history is white history, right? So we we, we just gave them February, so the you know just to to make them uh, go away. I, I don't buy that. I mean, there there is lots of history. Uh, I mean, it, it depends on what you look at. If you can't you can't study the history of the American railroad railroad system without learning about the history of uh, Chinese immigrants. I mean, there, it, it all depends on what you're talking about. There's all sorts of history. There's plenty to go around, I guess is my point. Well, yeah, that would no, be the I argument. I think you should be able to integrate it into the lesson. Right. But a lot of people, a lot of schools don't actually talk about slavery that much because it's such a horrible thing to talk about. So, I, I mean, I honestly think they should be brutally honest about what happened. And it's like, hey, sorry, this was the world. We, you know, we made a mistake. Sorry. You know, does that make sense to anyone else? Yeah, I mean, like, technically, just the fact that there still is a Black History Month shows that we haven't gotten past, uh, you know, the, the segregation and the difference between white and black because we have to purposely come up with a month to talk about that. Like, if we were doing it right, it would just kind of be integrated throughout. Yeah, that was one of the, the things I said when Obama became president. It's like, okay, we now have a black president. That should, it should all be over now, right? There shouldn't, even. Be, there shouldn't be any more whining about a black man can't get a leg up. We, he is now the most powerful man in the civilized world. 
we're done, right? This whole racial tension thing should be over. But I'm I'm a simpleton. <laughs> no <laughs> comment to that. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody shouts him down. <laughs> I agree with the basic idea of what you're saying. I mean, I've always joked that I was going to sue the NBA um, because there's a proportionate in proportion number of white people playing professional basketball, um, you know, and they're not giving the whitey a chance to, to shoot hoops. Um, also, us, but, us short guys, we don't have a chance either. They totally discriminate against us. Right. Oh, yeah, let's band together, John. But here's the thing. <laughs> Discrimination is life, period. Yeah. Why, why do yeah. we Part keep it. pretending it's not? It, I mean, it's the same reason we can't post kids' grades on the board anymore because it hurts their feelings. Good. Stop being stupid and apply <laughs> yourself, and then you'll be at the top of the board. When I was going to school, they would put my they would put my low score right there, and I'm like, oh no, I have to improve to not be the guy they're laughing at. And then you know the next time would come up, and then I'm at the top. So I mean that drove me to not want to be made fun of. <laughs> I had a teacher in high school. It was a math teacher, and after every big unit test, he'd make us all stand up and he'd reassign seats based on how well you did in the class. So like the hundred nice. got the very first seat closest to the door, and then he worked his way back. And I just remember fighting, fighting to never be in like the last two rows. Like if I could stay <laughs> mid class, that that made me feel good. But if you like moved back, uh a few chairs in between, you know, after a test, you knew that you had to bust your butt to get back to your regular seat. I, yeah, I had a fourth grade teacher that would pass your papers out and read off the grades and she did it. C minus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> B plus. I read about a teacher who, uh, when you work, first walk into the classroom on the first day of school, there was nothing. It's an empty room. You have to earn a chair. You have to earn <laughs> a pencil. You have to earn a notebook based on your performance in the class. I love that. That merit, that's your merit pay right there. Well, yeah. I have to admit, one of my own favorite funny stories in college, I think you and I were actually sweet mates when this happened, Mark. I had to write a paper for some history class or something on, I don't remember, you know, Gondwana land or Patagonia or something like that. And I didn't remember what the topic actually was. And I just made up something and didn't research it. There was no interwebs really to get on easily. And I turned the paper in and I made an F minus. Eric, stop lighting that <laughs> cigarette. You don't smoke anymore. She wrote F minus, and then on, on, on the top of it, she wrote, bad paper, wrong topic. <laughs> <laughs> I was so ashamed. Bad F paper. minus, not just an F, F minus. Like you would have done better if you had not handed anything in at all. <laughs> you really, I know. That, that sounds like the album name of a punk band, bad paper, wrong topic. <laughs> there, there actually, there's a punk band called F minus, so you're halfway there already. Okay, so oh. the next story up uh, teachers again uh in arizona uh, there's a uh a teacher dress code is under scrutiny uh and basically teachers are uh dressing in ways that are not professional they're wearing flip-flops they're wearing spaghetti strap tops and um the argument is that it's hot and that's why we dress like that i, I don't want to get into the teachers i don't really want to get into the dress code thing but my question was do we dress too casually in the u.s and i'm a history buff you go back to uh, 1912, or you go back exactly 100 years, and on a July day in central Oklahoma, you will have guys at a picnic in, in vests and ties and coats, and nobody, nobody spontaneously combusted and died. Um, so, you know, we- But they we, stunk really bad. Well, maybe. It's interesting <laughs> that we, we have moved so far down, and I don't know that it's good or bad. I guess that's my question. Um, are we- have we forgotten what it means to be professional? 
just in general, not in not teachers, not uh, but any profession. Have we forgotten what it means to be professional? I uh, I quote unquote dress up compared to a lot of the people at work, and I wear a golf shirt and slacks. We have a very relaxed environment. We just we don't we don't have to dress up, so a lot of people don't. And I'll come to work like in the summer, for example, dress that way. And and the other people who are there working in the summer are in, in shorts because it's summer and there's no kids there. And they'll say, you know, why are you dressed up? Well, because I'm at work. And this is what I the way I dress when I go to work. Um, but I, I maybe I'm a throwback there. Uh, no, I think the landscape of what professional is has completely changed from when you first got into the workforce. Uh, I got first got into the workforce mid-internet savvy billionaire 30 year olds you know the the idea of what a professional is has changed just over the years just just as every everything well, the does, idea just, of what casual is the entire society has changed uh you know casual friday used to mean you didn't wear a tie now it means you put on pants I, but i i think a, a lot of times in my opinion and if, if i have to dress up for a, a job i'll obviously i'll dress up for it to make sure i'm putting my best foot forward but if you can, if you can, a lot of people look at work as a mind-numbing, uh, soul-trapping thing, and and I can understand where they why they think that. But in being able to wear what you want, not necessarily what you want, but to try being able to put your own little your own little twist or whatever on it, that that helps that helps you keep a part of you while you're at work, which generally people lose that when they're at when when they're forced to wear okay you have to wear this is like but i don't like wearing that but if you can wear something similar that still looks good and still looks quote unquote professional in your eyes then i don't i don't i don't see a problem with it, it to me it's just it's like when they say kids should wear uniforms at schools the, there's a certain point where you have to be able to express yourself and if all you can do the only way you can express yourself at work is by dressing how you you know dressing your way you know as long as you're not coming in in a full night suit i'm okay with it I don't know. I just I want to go back to the days when everybody wore three piece suits and and carried a walking stick. I, I just think um, it, it, and a monocle. Only if I can wear a monocle. Okay, a top hat and a monocle. What about um, powdered wigs? Let's go further. Sure. I want everyone why? to wear powdered wigs. Well, you, you know why they powdered their wigs, right? It was to keep the fleas out of them. Um, I don't well, want to go back that far. Well, Mark, you know me. Um, <laughs> and my I, wife just I, sent me a message. You don't own a suit, dear. That's true. I don't. <laughs> I don't wear long pants unless I have to. Usually I'm a shorts kind of guy, but I'll wear the appropriate wardrobe at the appropriate place. I'm not going to go to a wedding in shorts. Most of the time, Here's the point that they're making in Arizona is that the current batch of teachers, the teachers who are 23 years old and just out of college don't know what appropriate is. Well, and you have to realize that we're not talking about, and I, I can't believe I'm, I'm even saying this, but like the four of us are fairly normal, responsible people. So we understand that. Like we get, you know, when we say that we dress casual, like Mark, I'm in the same boat as you. Like I, I dress fairly casual and casual means like a polo or a button up shirt and a pair of dress pants. Um, my casual or my, my Friday dress down days are usually jeans and sneakers and a polo. Like that's about as far as I get. I've never in the nine years I've worked at my school, I've never worn shorts in front of the kids. Like I don't find that to be okay. No, that's but, not a, yeah, I don't think that's appropriate either. Right. But I'm I'm again, relatively speaking, I'm normal. And and you have to look at the people who don't understand where those boundaries are. And they're gonna be the idiots who come in in shorts and flip flops and with 
parts hanging out that shouldn't be hanging out. And and those are the people that really kind of screw it all up because you're right. Like they're the ones that don't realize what is appropriate and what's not. So maybe three piece suit, that might be a little extreme, but maybe we should up, up the ante a little no, bit. So I, that I think as a teacher, you hold a certain responsibility to set an example for children and to set a future workplace example, how right. you should be in the workplace. And you have to put your best foot forward and then let them know that, hey, you're eventually going to have to dress like this unless you work in a place that lets you dress how you want. You I, know? Think, I think it goes to a larger point, though, is to the coarsening of our society in general. A um, hundred years ago, we would, ref- we would be ending every sentence with sir. That's right. how we would refer to each other. It would be, there would be a, a, a cordiality there, a respect. We don't respect people in our country anymore. We don't show respect. Um, we, we, instead of assuming respect, we say it has to be earned. Well, I'm going to treat you like a jerk until you earn my respect. That seems to be the common, common mindset. Our country is moving more and more coarse. The, the coarsening of, of society, uh, manners and, and, you know, having two or three forks at dinner, you know, and, and those sort of things that are archaic. Yes, but they kept an order in society. And there were certain rules that said, this is how you behave with other people. And we don't have those rules anymore. The rules today are don't kill them unless they're unborn. Don't kill them, and otherwise there aren't any rules. Uh, and it just, I, I, I'm, I can make arguments either way and say that it's a, it's a more casual, it's a, it's a looser, it's a freer society. Um, but I can also say that we're um, a lot more, uh, I wonder if we would have the problems we have, have today if we were back in that country where we understood the the value of respect. I don't think we have the value of respect anymore. It's not even about it's not even about understanding it. It it comes down to knowing how to play the game. I mean, you don't have to understand it. And a hundred years ago, when everyone was ending their sentence with "sir," there were still people who walked away from a conversation thinking that man was an idiot. But they knew how to play the the game. They knew how that worked. And we're not teaching that to people. And that's why you have these twenty three year old college kids coming out who don't know how to write a resume and they don't know how to dress nice for that one interview they have no one taught them how to play the game and that's but something 15, like I, 20 years they'll be the boss accepting the resumes right so it, it's it's a downward slope when the right. boss is the guy wearing flip-flops what what do you show up in a speedo we're going back to toga days well i think we i think one thing though is we do have more freedom now so mark if you want to wear a three-piece suit to work you can yeah right but and no, you know, I mean, and 50 I, I years ago you the couldn't wear shorts if you wanted to you had to wear the three-piece suit Right. And like I said, I I can see either way. There is, there are a much greater amount of personal freedom now, but it, because I am a fan of history, when I, when I see how people interacted with each other, when I see the language, the way people spoke and the way they dressed, I think we have lost something valuable in our, in our modern society. We we can't look at that as a grand old times. We also wouldn't let black people go in our restaurants. No, I, so, I, I mean, didn't say, I didn't say we need to go back. back. I'm saying that there is something that has been lost. There have been great gains, but there have been losses as well. Well, I mean, that all comes down to the, the amount of anonymity we have now. I mean, right now, no one knows who I am. You know, my name's in the chat room, but for the most part, I could just disappear off the internet tomorrow and I can say the most vile things right now and have no punishment for it. And part of that lands on the parents not making sure that they're not going to places where that comes from and the other part comes from the parents not talking to their children not teaching respect i know so many of my friends that are obsessed with the idea like i have a friend of mine who just 
he's almost obsessed with the idea of raising a respectful child because he hates to, to see all the other kids when he goes to school, kids that are, you know, 12, 13 years old, bumping into him and not even saying, excuse me. It's like, I'm a grown up. I pay into the system. You apologize to me. You know, that, that to me is, is the way kids should be looking at us. They should be looking up to us, not like a person in the way. So I, I think a lot of that falls into parents and the fact they don't want to teach respect anymore. It's easier to put them, put them in front of an iPad and go, all right, see you in a yeah, couple but hours. Eric, if those parents weren't taught respect, how are they going to learn it? How are they going to teach it to their kids? I, I like to think that my generation was one of the last one. My, my, my father and my mother taught me respect. Like it's, I mean, it's the, the, that was one of the biggest things they taught me. And a lot of my friends, parents the same way, just, they taught their kids respect. Most of my friends are respectful. I mean, yes, sir. No, sir. Uh, to people of authority, um, holding the door open, people letting people over in traffic that have their blinker on like a, like they're supposed to, you know, and, and stuff like that. I mean, but it's just, it's the way the parents decide to raise them. I find myself to be a very respectful person. You mean and, the blinker doesn't mean right up right behind me and try to get around me as often as possible. I thought that's what the blinker meant. <laughs> as long as you are, trying to make a reasonable maneuver into my lane. I, I won't let you over if you don't have your blinker on. I don't care. Like I will not let you over. Even if I know you're trying to get over, I don't care because because that's I'll, being polite, right? No, it's no, playing no. the game. That's what I keep saying. It's you have to know how to play the game and you know, you don't want to let that person over, but they're playing the game. So you allow it. And we've stopped in, in teaching my, kids how to do opinion, that. Mark, what that is, is if I were to let that person over, what I just did was reward stupidity. So next time, why didn't that guy let me over? Maybe it gets into his head that he shoots his blinker, and then all of a sudden, oh, now he lets me in. That's weird. That's one of the biggest problems in this country is that people just com- constantly reward stupidity, and it's it's disgusting. Uh, you know, it's uh, that's all I have. I'm sorry this this hasn't been a zany episode. We haven't mentioned the penis or the anus at, at all this week. Sorry. I'm fine uh, with it. But it's been a much more sedate uh, episode of the periodic table. Eric, uh, tell us about your good friends over at the ACLU. Ah, the ACLU. Um, or the ACLU, as I call them. <laughs> the Get ACLU. Civil Liberties, but only when we allow you to have them, Union. Yeah, I mean, but this, this does come down to, it's a big technology thing. It's a this shows you how much this country has changed just through the the idea of technology is what, how much should the government know about how far should they be able to track you? So what is the limit on how far they can track you if they do not have a warrant? Because there's about a month ago, I read a story about a police department who put a tracking device on a person's car and the entire, they found tw- 20 pounds of marijuana, a million dollars in cash, all this stuff case was thrown out because they didn't have a warrant for the tracking device. So now this is essentially the same case, except it's with your own personal cell phone that sets off an RF signal that can be tracked anyway. Like the government knows I'm in my bedroom right now. And, uh, Oh, Eric, if, the government's been spying on you for years. No, but they can. It's not that they are, it's that they can. That well, here's my take on this. And, and the, it's all about, uh, the GPS devices and, and the things like that. The, the way I look at it, that's public information. You have, you have, your phone is broadcasting your location over the air. It's public. It's not encrypted. It's not direct dial. It's, it's out there. 
So all they're doing is sniffing. It's it's no different than them uh, walking into a room where you're talking and taking notes. Um, so 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 what you're saying is you. So what you're saying is it should be okay for telemarketers to call you at any point because that is your phone. That is public. That that is that is a public no, number. They should be able to do whatever they want with it. They no, can call. Well, they can look it up in the phone book. That's at any not point at all want. what I said. Not even close. What I'm saying is, um, if I am broadcasting information to the public. I can't be mad if a member of the government happens to pick that up. No, I understand. Like if you put on Twitter, hey, I'm at JJ's barbecue down the street and you have a warrant and they come pick you up. I understand that you put that information out in the public. But what and this your is cell phone about, is putting that information out. It's no, no. doing that. You're, no, I'm talking about pulling the actual signal from your personal cell phone that you are not giving. You not. No one knows your signal except for the except for the devi- device that is picking it up. So. The information you share via your phone is now public record, and it is now on the internet, and it can never go away. But your actual cell phone, the signal that creates the internet connection and the phone uh, and, and the voice conversations and all that, is not that that is not public knowledge. I think Mark would disagree with you. Yeah, I yes. would say that by the by the fact that you have it hooked up to a radio that is broadcasting. At full strength, twenty four seven. It's no longer private. And and now I don't. I'm not okay with the government decrypting your digital uh, encrypted stuff. I'm not okay with that. If you have taken steps to encrypt something, and and uh, most uh, cell phone signals are, but things like GPS, for example, are not encrypted. They can't be. It's the nature of the system. Well, so, and you're connecting to a public satellite. Exactly owned by the government. Yeah, so if you want to use GPS, um, you either join the union or you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, You're welcome to not use GPS at any point that you don't so, want to use so it. They don't, so if, okay, if you have a warrant for your arrest, obviously they already have a warrant and they can track you by any means necessary. But if you're suspected of a crime and, and they are watching you go back and forth to, you know, point A from point B every day, at night at two, three o'clock in the morning, meeting another car, then taking off. But now since they don't have a warrant, all they have is suspicious activity. Now they can stake out. And then all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden you're getting swarmed by the SWAT team. That, well, that is a is very that, real possibility. How is that any different from parking a patrol car down the street and watching you? It's they're not, they're watching if, what if, you do in public. If you're not there to catch me, you cannot give me a ticket. That's what, that, the same thing with red light cameras. If you are not there to catch me, you cannot give me a ticket. Uh, interesting. I, I just, this is a funny story. You mentioned a warrant out for my arrest. I got uh, a letter, uh, a postcard in the mail last week that said, I have a warrant out for my arrest. Really? I didn't know this. This is interesting. Uh, Someone heard the podcast. Yeah, huh? apparently. Um, so I called the number and it's in a, a neighboring county. It's not even the county where I live. I have never lived there. I have never worked there. Um, and it was I called the the justice of the peace. I don't know if every state has justice of the peace, but that's uh, a low level judicial system here. Um, and the clerk there was like, "I don't have anything in my computer. Let me go to the file cabinet and pull." So she went over, walked across the room. I heard shovel, 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 and there was a paper file with my name on it. So apparently, when I was 18 years old, I wrote a check for pizza that bounced. And Mark. last week, I had a, a notice that there was a warrant for my arrest about it. So uh, she went and talked to the justice, 
And the justice said that he doesn't live in our county. This this wasn't uh, he, this has no jurisdiction. <laughs> You'd have to be extradited, right? <laughs> um, so uh, uh, he dismissed it. <laughs> he dismissed the case because it was filed in the wrong a procedure. I got off on a technicality. It was in the wrong drawer. Yeah, I got off on a technicality. So um, when the the woman told me that, and she expected me to be. I don't know, grateful, I guess. And, and maybe I should be because technically the police could have come to my door and said, you know, um, come see us now. Um, but the, address What's the interest they, on 20 years of a bounce check, right? I know. It's, what, what would be the, you owe us, uh, let's see, $87,000. Yeah. What's the statute of limitations on well, that? that? Apparently there isn't one. It's theft. It's theft by check. And there's not a, in Texas anyway, there's not a statute of limitations. Apparently, uh, okay. once it reaches warrant status, warrants never go away. Uh, so, but anyway, she said, we're, we're going to dismiss that and you'll be in good standing. And I said to her, my 18 year old self, thanks you. I <laughs> <laughs> was very disrespectful, Mark. I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Just, it, it blew me away that it was, uh, uh, 21 years ago. And, and they're just now finding out about it. Like they just now figured out my address. I've lived in this house since 1999 and they just found me <laughs> i've been i've been pulled over a few times for speeding i'm sorry to admit but i have been i've done jury duty there have been all sorts of opportunities but since it wasn't in the computer nobody ever walked over to the file cabinet so i'm guessing they hired an intern who started going through <laughs> old stuff i don't know it's because you're using the gps and attracted with the gps is what they did <laughs> so that's a funny story i i uh, up until this afternoon was a wanted man <laughs> you, you i'm surprised you made it this far <laughs> <laughs> okay and so the last one eric is also yours uh did governor christie spit on his state by vetoing a gay marriage bill i can't wait to hear what you have to say about that one uh yes he did he's an elected official he's supposed to go off of what the people say not about what he thinks as a personal uh as a personal opinion i mean i i don't i don't think there's much argument behind that because the voice of his state spoke and he laughed at them and then closed the door and walked it, you know, and just walked away. It's, I don't, I don't but understand governors why. have that power. They can veto oh, any bill for any reason. Uh, I mean, uh, at some point in time, the people of that state thought it was okay to own black people. Wouldn't you have applauded a governor if he'd vetoed that law? It, it was vetoed. There was just a really long war that got it vetoed. <laughs> um, no, I mean, but this this isn't slavery. This is this is a far more menial argument that we use to fill time in presidential debates. Is is gay marriage? And it, it it's well, apparently Governor Christie doesn't believe it's that menial. So it, it is menial. It really is. I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's. It's, I always say it because I'm a libertarian. And as my buddy put it, how do you describe being a libertarian? You just say it's none of your business and walk off. But, <laughs> uh, but it re realistically, it, if it doesn't affect your life in a negative way, then more power to you. I don't think you should be able to marry a goat, but I think you should be able to marry a man if you want to. That's, I mean, so but, why, why do you discriminate against goat lovers? What, why is that such a bad thing? Because a goat does not have, free will and it cannot choose that person um but uh, so i won't mention a fetus at this point then no no we're not going to go back on that because <laughs> i've been in very heated arguments about abortion um but no to me it's just 
At this point, we might as well just give up the fight. It, I mean, Massachusetts legalized it today. I, I believe there's another state that legalized it last week. Uh, last week, California's uh, Supreme Court said that it is unconstitutional to deny people the freedom to marry who they choose. And right now, it, it, it's snowballing to the point to where within the next five years, it'll be legal in, I would say, 75% of states. So, I mean, we, it, it's it's a losing battle on the on the anti side because more people are coming into more people are getting to know people better which is one of the few benefits of the internet as far as socializing is people are starting to get to know people as people not as homosexuals black people um or you know whatever you may be and so i think that's a good thing uh i don't see so, black or white i see american people, i just, just want to see if if it's really because it's not like it was something, it was a bill that would have bankrupted the state. And if anything, it's actually going to feed into the economy because there will be more marriages and gay people, for the most part, are pretty decadent. So I'm, I'm assuming a lot of those weddings will be expensive. <laughs> uh, you know, this may surprise people, but I'm going to come down on the side of gay marriage. Uh, as much as I am a, a conservative Christian individual, I tend to have libertarian leanings, and I do think that it's it not a government thing. And it is it is discrimination, and people say it's not. But um, if I am hurt, my wife can make decisions for me while I'm incapacitated. Uh, a gay man does not have that privilege for his gay partner. Um, I, a gay man cannot have his a gay partner on his insurance. It is discrimination. Um, Canon, Georgia. And, yeah, as as uh, Pete in the chat room says, why is the government in the marriage business anyway? I tend to agree with that. Exactly. I say it should not be an issue if one state allows it. You know, I'm okay with that. But on the other hand, um, it's Governor Christie was just working through the system. He has that power, and if people don't like him, they can vote him out, or it can go. I assume there's a process, just like in most other states, that it can now go back to the legislature and they can override his veto. Yeah. So, and that's what he even said in the article. I think he, he says for something like this that requires an amendment, the people of New Jersey have to stand up and and make that happen, kind of. Right, and if it's a situation where it was a you know, uh, and, and and you know a voting turnout where 150 people voted and 60 of them were for it and the rest of them were against it, you know, it 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 it's oftentimes those things are so low turnout you can't say it represents the state. So maybe what Governor Christie, I'm, I'm presuming to speak for him, but maybe what he's doing is forcing the state to actually make a real stand on it. If it's such a, a non-issue, I mean, I agree with Mark and, and Eric, it sounds like you guys are saying the same thing. Like, who cares? If, do it. It doesn't affect me. So do if it. If they had to kill a straight man every time a gay man got married, I'd probably say, hey. Yeah, like, yeah then that suddenly would become my issue. Right. <laughs> but, it, but it doesn't happen like that. So, so like there's what a, is there's a cons conservation of, of of manhood there? That's funny. <laughs> well, so what is making this an issue then? It, it's got to be personal beliefs, and that's what falls back on Christie. Is like, is it is he did he make that decision on a a personal belief, or was he trying to get someone else to stand up and pass the buck in case it, it blows up in his face? And let's say he was making the stand on personal belief. Isn't that, isn't that what we want politicians to do? Don't we want men and women no, they, to stand up? No, because they're supposed to represent us. No, I, 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 want, I, I want a politician that stands up for what's right, not what you think is right. What is right for the state? And obviously, what was right for the state was to allow gay marriage. And now he's, he steps in as the one voice and says, no, sorry, I realized you guys all, a lot of you agreed on this, but I'm going to say no. That's not fair. It's like, 
it's like if you have a family of let's say you have 20 people at your house and you're like who wants to go eat chinese food 19 people raise their hand and i just go nah sorry we're eating pizza see you later and it works at my house (laughs) (laughs) everybody in my house has an equal vote just mine is more equal in my opinion if it's something that could financially hurt or physically hurt someone in the long run I, i i think he should have the power to veto it i completely agree with that and that's in extreme circumstances not in the circumstances the the ability to veto anything has in my opinion led to the downfall of our current current political state is because of the power of the veto it's like oh everyone says yes except i say no okay so the i'm, I'm gonna give you the last word eric you just had it veto is killing our country um aka eric Fay. um wait credit to eric Fay. so uh we're we're you know coming up on an hour and a half here i need to to stop it somewhere and so eric you get the last word so uh at this point we uh we now going to go around and and own up to our mistakes and we're going to tell people how they can uh, uh individually find us and uh uh and rant and rave so aaron we'll start with you what what is your contact information my friend just google or bing if you have to one meal one workout the number one meal number one workout and uh you can find me email me for people who don't know what is one meal one workout well you know mark i'm glad you asked that question one meal workout it's more than i'm not going to go into a whole diet trap basically it's it's my own uh phrase that my own philosophy doesn't mean you work out one time for every time you eat uh what it means is just approaching your your food and your fitness one meal at a time one workout at a time it's taking the whole one day at a time one step further and have uh, you, you, read have more you about had it? personal success with this plan? What was that? Have you had personal success with this? I have had some personal success with that plan, Mark. I, I earned them the moniker former fat guy by losing about 150 pounds using this, uh, this basic philosophy. And um, you can go to womanworkout.com and read all about it. Or if you're an audio-minded person, you can listen to the podcast every week. John, have- tell me about you. You know, you should have ended this, Mark, by asking us all to describe ourselves in one word, and then we all would have just said cheerful, and it would have been over, but now we have to go through all this. Um, you can find me at... Eric couldn't say cheerful. He, he no. couldn't in good conscience say that. Paranoid. Paranoid. <laughs> Aware. I swear. <laughs> uh, you can find me online. Uh, probably easiest way is on Twitter, at John Mikulski, um, and email, which I don't check all that often, but it's there, uh, John at elementob.com. And I can vouch for him. He does, in fact, never check his email. No, I just ignore yours. I just don't oh, check the other okay. ones. John, John, don't you have some kind of blog? Uh, you know what? I kind of do, but I actually haven't touched it in a few months. It's been kind of crazy. But, yeah, I did have a blog for a while. Um, you, you could find. I think you Google my name. your class blog. He's giving you the opportunity. Oh, you want to pitch that one? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my. This isn't mine. This is my kids, my, my school. But we've been doing this website. A uh, big anti-bullying initiative thing that that our district is real big on lately, and uh, yeah, it's making some waves. Uh, my kids made a web uh, a video, and it kind of got local press time, and uh, it's on a, a couple magazines and stuff now too. But um, all that is at wearethesolution.net, and I can't take total credit for that. That really is my students, and it's uh, super cool. And we actually just talked about it a little bit more, um, I believe, on the current uh, episode of of Tightwad Teachers. You can take a look at it there too. All right, Eric Fay, what about you? Uh, you can reach me at Twitter at Eric M. Fay. And that is all right now. Okay. Or you can just find out 
through geolocation where he is right. and yeah <laughs> go say just, hi in person just ask your local law enforcement officer he knows already <laughs> i follow the law mostly <laughs> and if you want to find out more about these good people uh with the exception of eric uh, uh <laughs> and their other podcasting opportunities you can do that at elementop.com every person who comes on this show except eric has another podcast on our show uh, and that's because Eric's show evaporated out from under him. But he's on this show. This is his podcast. Uh, and so we do uh, now six different podcasts on the Element OP network. Uh, go to elementop.com, click on the icon of your choice. They're all nice, pretty little logos. And click the play button and listen. You don't have to subscribe. You don't have to make a commitment. No credit card required. Just hit play and listen. And you can find me there on in the forums at elementop.com. Check us out. Uh, and tell your friends about us and we'll take over the world someday and I will fire people. Uh, so I promise you next week there will be more poop stories. Uh, but for this now, this week, I'm going to say that ends this episode of The Periodic Table.